If you have your Bibles, um, with, uh, open them with me, please, to Galatians, the second chapter. Praise God. Galatians chapter 2. Now, um, I wasn't prepared or planning on uh, beginning with this passage tonight, so I do not have um, an overhead, a slide for it. Um, but let's begin at Galatians 2, and then um, we'll jump into um, the ones that we do have prepared tonight. Amen? Praise God. Well, why don't you just take a deep breath, amen, just kind of relax for a moment, and um, I believe that Father wants to speak some very important things into your heart and life uh, this evening, and um, we're leaning into Him, amen. We're not leaning out or pulling away, but we're leaning in, um, bated breath, so to speak, uh, to receive uh, from Him, praise God. All right, so Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, is a passage that some of you are probably familiar with, and it says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now, the Apostle Paul is just once again emphasizing what had been revealed to him. And what had been revealed to him is that when Jesus died... He died with him. It's what's often referred to as the substitutionary work of Jesus, which is just a really fancy way of saying Jesus took your place. What Jesus did on this earth, he did for you, but he also did it as you. To the point that the Apostle Paul recognized that when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified with him. That when Jesus died, he died with him. When Jesus was raised up to newness of life, we were raised up together with him. And even so far as to say in Ephesians 2 that when Jesus went to sit again at the right hand of the Father that we are now seated together with him there. Now, I want to pull one phrase out of this verse, but I want to make sure you understand this verse before we do that. So Paul is saying that he died with Christ, but now Christ lives in him. And the life which he now lives in the flesh, the life which he now lives in the flesh, He says that he lives it by faith in the Son of God. The um, King James Version says, live by my faith in the Son of God. Now, the phrase is this, the life that I now live. Come on now, the life that I now live. We could say it another way, the life that I live now. The life that I live now. Now as opposed to the life that he lived before. Amen. And also, listen to me very carefully, compared to the life that he will one day live. But he's talking about the life that he lives now. The life that he lives now. All right? With that in mind, go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Amen. And as you are turning, um, I noticed over to my right and to your left, Brother Lonnie Knowles. Amen. So uh, that's another miracle sitting right there. Uh, (laughs) Amen. Praise God. We love you, brother, sister. Amen. Healed and blessed. So uh, thank you for being here tonight. Good things. Amen. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I um, am trying to be diligent this year to, um, even more than I have been in the past, to, to really, when we preach, to really help you connect with a bigger picture of what the scriptures are saying. And um, so the verse that I want us to zero in on tonight 
is verse number 7. So I'm going to go ahead and put that one up there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. And that verse says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, it would be easy to say, Pastor Mark went to a minister's conference, you know, in what some refer to as the faith capital of the world, and he came home and he decided to teach on faith. But the reality of it is the Holy Spirit had already led us. We had already started doing that um, before I had the opportunity to go out there. And I really believe, and, and I, just hear me, okay, there's so many wonderful things in God's Word, so many important things in God's Word, so many beneficial things in God's Word that, that we could focus in on and study. But I sincerely believe that the Holy Spirit um, led us at the end of 2017 into a study on Wednesday night that's going to carry us well into 2018. And that's a study on the subject of faith. A study on the subject of faith. And my prayer is that Father would show us some new things, some fresh things, reinforce some former things, but also help us more than ever before commit ourselves to living a life of faith. Come on now, are you with me? Ultimately, what Father wants is to, to, to see you and me living the life that He created us to live and see you and me fulfilling the purpose and destiny that He created us to fulfill. Amen. But we cannot live that life and we cannot fulfill that purpose and we cannot accomplish that destiny apart from faith. Amen. Faith is central. Faith is, is uh, you know, critical, crucial. Um, to all of this. So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. Now, we're going to unpack that relatively short verse and see that there are some very important things that are being said to us in that verse. But before we do that, I want to step back from it and help you see the bigger picture of what he's saying to us. Now, turn with me, um, or you may not have to turn at all, uh, but let's begin at chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Now, we're going to read some verses, and some of it may sound a little complicated. Um, don't sweat it, we're going to come back and, um, and explain it. But I want to read it straight through, and then we'll come back, okay? So this is what it says. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent grown being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. For we are, so we are always confident, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to Him. Now, the key to understanding the first part of this passage 
is to understand what the Bible means here by the words house and tent. House and tent are referring to a body. Amen. And Paul is referring to the physical body that we have now as a tent. The real you is not the physical body that I see sitting in these purple chairs tonight. The real you is the spirit that dwells within that earth suit or that physical body that I'm looking at right now. The part of you that has been born again, or if it has not been born again, the part of you that will very soon be born again. Amen. Born of God's Spirit. And the part of you that, that if you have been born again, has already become one with Him. Now, Paul says that the body that we live in now is a tent. A tent because it is what? Temporary. A tent is a temporary dwelling place. And Paul says that we will one day come out of this tent and move into a house. The house that he's referring to is a permanent dwelling place. But once again, it is a body. It is what the Bible calls a glorified body. Are you with me? It is a body that is comparable to the born-again spirit that we already have in this physical body, this earth suit, um, right now sitting here in this room. The Bible says it this way, you have a treasure in an earthen vessel. Amen. Amen. Now, what he's saying is that there's coming a day when we will step out of this tent and into our house. He's not talking about a mansion in heaven. He's not talking about um, an, another uh, you know, like structure, three bedrooms, two baths, and backyard with a fence or something like that. He's literally talking about the body that you will live in forever once you put off this flesh or this earth suit that we currently reside in. Are you still with me? Now, we're going somewhere, so please go there with me. This is the life that we live now. This is the life that now is. The life that we now live where? In the flesh. The life that we now live in the tent. The life that we live in between our having been born again and the day that we stand before God and step out of this tent into our glorified body or our eternal body that will contain our eternal spirit that is already in this temporary flesh. Amen. Alright. Now, one thing I want to point out to you before we go any further, and that is that chapter 5 verse 1 says that we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. If, he says, we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed. You have to understand a little bit about what the Apostle Paul was going through when he wrote this. He had some of the most powerful men on planet earth trying to kill him. We see, for instance, in one city, there was a group of men 
who made a vow, shaved their heads, and vowed to not eat another bite of food until they had killed the Apostle Paul. He had very wealthy men, he had very powerful men who hated his guts. Some of the same men who hated and killed Jesus were now hating and trying to kill the Apostle Paul. They had already succeeded in killing other Christians and even killing other apostles. And so this was the threat, if you will, that the Apostle Paul lived under. Now, there's nothing wrong with us learning about the Apostle Paul. There's nothing wrong with us learning the Scriptures. But what the Scriptures have been ultimately given to us for is so that we can connect with them on a personal level. In other words, it's not enough for you to look at the Apostle Paul from a distance as a man of history who endured great things but came out of it on the other side victorious and, 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 and successful, so forth and so on. If we do not apply these things to our own lives and to our own situations. So Paul is saying that he knows that even if his earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, if someone was to catch up with him and kill him, that it would not be the end of him, but that he has a house already waiting for him, eternal in the heavens. And to be absent from this tent is to be present in that house and to be present with the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hadn't prepared to say this, but the Holy Spirit just keeps nudging me, nudging me, nudging me, and that is, hell does not know what to do with a man or a woman who's not afraid of death. Amen. Hebrews 2 says that a fear of death keeps us subject our whole lifetime to bondage. It keeps us subject our whole lifetime to manipulation by others and by outside forces. Paul was not afraid to die. Why was he not afraid to die? He was not afraid to die because he knew what was going to happen to him should that day come to pass. Now, how does all of this connect with you and me tonight? Verse number five. It's on the screen. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God. I don't know if you've ever been asked, you know, are you ready to meet your maker? So many times we think, well, you know, that's something we need to do. And, I, and don't misunderstand me. There are things that we need to do and that we need to take care of. But notice here, Paul is not talking about what he had done to prepare himself, but what had been done for him to prepare him for that transition the day that it came, the day that it took place. Now, the last part of this says that God has prepared us for this very thing. That's verse 5. Verse 1 says that the next body is already in storage, waiting, ready, prepared.
some reason when I talk about this, I always think about Miss Judy Ledlow. Um, they had bought some burial plots and somehow they were going to get a discount if before they put the headstone there, um, if they would let them go ahead and put their names on the headstone. And oh, Miss Ledlow pitched a fit about that. She said, absolutely not. She did not want her name on that tombstone yet, right? So if this makes you nervous, don't be nervous about this, all right? The day you were born again, God prepared a glorified body for you in heaven. It's already there. You know, you sometimes order things and wait for them to come. You know, it's not like you're going to get to heaven and Father's like, look, you know, there's been a delay. FedEx had a weather delay in, in the northern part of heaven and your body's not going to be here for another few days. So just, you know, hang out over there and we'll get it to you as soon as it comes. No, no, none of that. It's there waiting for you. Now, either you're tired or you're not hearing me or you don't understand what this really means. And I want to make sure you understand what this really means because the only thing that has dealt you and me more fits than the devil is our own physical body right now. The only thing that has cost us more, are you understand what I'm saying, is misplaced desires in our own flesh. And the one thing that's holding us back more than anything else tonight is our flesh. And that's when Paul says, look, I don't, he's not saying I have a death wish. That's how, if I was translating these other verses, I, I would translate them that way. Paul's not saying I have a death wish, but he says there is something inside of me that groans to be set free from the limitations of this body. Jesus had the prototype of this body. He came up out of the grave if you remember when, when he appeared to them in the garden and Mary went to touch him, he said, oh, you can't touch me like this. But he did speak to her. He then went to heaven, poured his blood out on the altar, but then he came back to this earth to appear to the disciples and many other people over the course of 40 days after his resurrection. He was sporting the new model, my friends. And this new model could enjoy food with his disciples and then walk through a physical wall without having to find a door. You say, Pastor Mark, you believe all that. You know what I'm about to say, right? I am all that. This is just something I believe. This is something that I am. Amen? You say, do you really believe? I, man, I, I'm telling you. I just hope it's not one of those things like your waistline in that body is whatever your waistline is when you leave here. You know what I'm saying? Amen. It motivates me to want to be thin when, when we go. You know what I'm saying? But praise God. You, you laugh about that, but Jesus' glorified body still had holes in it. He, used, he still was recognizable. In other words, his glorified body looked just like his physical body. The Bible says in heaven, you'll be, you'll be known as you were known. Amen. You know what I'm saying? Praise God. You'll be recognized. It's not like you'll be like looking like somebody completely different going, dude, Pastor Mark, it's me. It's Bruce. You don't recognize me? You know? Amen. 
Paul had caught a glimpse of the liberty that was going to be experienced once he was free from this earth suit. A level of freedom, a degree of freedom that could never be attained while living in this body. By the power of God, we, can, we know that Jesus walked on water, therefore we can do these kinds of things, but we know that Philip was translated in the Spirit. But some of these glimpses of things that we see in miraculous form and again, glimpses, flashes of this, that's, that's going to be normal operating procedure in the glorified body. I believe we'll be able to fly. <laughs> I said, I believe we'll be able to fly. You say, I'm not sure about that, Pastor Mark. Well, just watch me zoom right by you. Amen. I believe we'll be able to fly. Is there not something in us that longs to? I don't believe we would want to so bad. Thank you, Jesus. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Not will prepare us, has prepared us for this very thing. He did something else. He gave us His Spirit as a guarantee. The literal translation of that word is, is earnest. Earnest. He gave us His Spirit as earnest, or we might better understand that as earnest money. If you've ever bought a home, you enter into a contract to buy a home, in order to say, communicate to the seller that you're serious, you put down earnest money on that house. In today's economy, it's, it's usually $1,000. You write a $1,000 check when you sign that contract to communicate to the seller that you are serious to see it through to completion. Right? Are you following me? That's what earnest is. That's what the guarantee he's speaking of here is. It's something that is included with the deal, something that's included with the contract to guarantee that you will not drop out or pull out of the contract before the whole thing is seen through to the end. Are you following me? So Paul is saying that when God the Father gave to you and me the Holy Spirit, certainly He's here to help us. Certainly He's here to empower us. Certainly He's here to lead us and guide us. Certainly He's here to comfort us and give us peace. Certainly He's here to teach us and lead us into truth and understanding and revelation. All of those things. But also we see that the Holy Spirit given to you and me by God the Father, He was given to us as a guarantee, as a down payment, as earnest money that He who began the good work in you at salvation will see it through to completion when you step out of the tent into the glorified body. Now, I don't want to offend you at this if some of you haven't hung around here long enough for us to explain it to you beyond any reasonable doubt, but we believe in once born, always born here at Heritage. And the deeper you study the Scriptures, the more clear and obvious and undeniable it is. 
So if a man or a woman gets born again, and at that moment God prepares for them a glorified body, do you realize that if it was possible for that man or woman to lose their salvation, God would have created a body that nobody would ever step into in heaven? No, He's prepared you for it. And He's prepared the body for you. And He's given you a guarantee that He's not going to give up on you until you're safely home in the house in the body. So Paul says, we walk by faith, not by sight. What is he meaning by that? The same thing that he said in Galatians 2, the life that I now live in the flesh. Are you with me? We are living in a very unique sliver of our existence. We are living in a state of limbo, if you will. We are living with a born-again, glorified, eternal spirit inside of a temporary, fragile, physical body. But we will not live this way forever. There is once again coming a day when we will have a body that is comparable to the born-again spirit that already lives within this earth-made flesh that we all now have. Oh, I want you to get a hold of this so bad. Because this is the context for what the Apostle Paul is saying. He is saying, because I understand these things, notice in verse number 6, because He has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always confident. We are always assured. We are always joyfully looking forward. We are always excited about whatever's coming next. We are always confident knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. And again, verse 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body, the tent, and to be present with the Lord. Jesus said something in the Gospel of John. I want to say it was the 8th chapter. Listen very carefully to this. And I'll finish here. When they were really just bearing down on him and trying to trip him up with questions and tricks, and if you remember, they had found the, this woman in the act of adultery, and they brought her, threw, him, threw her at his feet, and all these other things were going on. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said that he knew where he came from He knew who he was, and he knew where he was going. One more time. He knew where he came from, he knew who he was, and he knew where he was going. Do you realize how many people are alive on planet Earth right now? They have no idea where they came from, they have no idea who they are, and they have no idea where they're going. Do you have any idea how many born-again, spirit-filled believers on planet Earth right now have no idea where they came from, have no idea who they are, and have no idea where they're going? What Paul is saying here when he says, 
in verse number 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. He's saying this. He says, I know where I came from. Right? I know that I've been born again. I know that there is a permanent dwelling place in the presence of God waiting for me. I know that when this tent, or if this tent should be destroyed, that I will step out of this tent and straight into the permanent glorified body that has been prepared for me. I know this because he who has prepared me for this and given me his spirit as a guarantee is God himself. So therefore I am confident. I am confident. Notice that he's carrying himself in a different way. You say, well, is confident and, and walking by faith not the same thing? Yes and no. Yes and no. And I don't have time to dig into all that tonight, but we'll get to it next week. But there is an assurance, there is a confidence that comes from knowing where you came from. Knowing what happened to you the day you were born again. Knowing who you became and, and knowing what's true about you now. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. And he said, look, you know, because you would think, how could he live in confidence? It's, it sounds to me like he would just be constantly looking over his shoulder. It seems like he would constantly be ducking and hiding and, and skittish and jumpy and you never know when somebody in the crowd is going to knife him. Or, no, no, he's like, man, listen, because of, because of what I know about where I came from and because of what I know about where I'm going, it gives me confidence to walk by faith and not by sight. The life that I live now in the flesh, I live by my faith in the Son of God. I live by faith. I live by faith. I walk by faith. Stand with me, praise God. Paul had laid hold of something in his heart that produced a different perspective on life. Are you following me? When I say perspective on life, I'm talking about how you see things. You know what I mean by that? Let me see if I can help you this way. How many of you see things different tonight than you did, say, six months ago? Amen. All right. Man, the stuff that you didn't even know if it was true six months ago, now it's like, how could I ever question? How could I, you know? All right, so, in other words, you're laying hold of something inwardly that's changing the way you view things outwardly. Okay. Now, we're going to break down what it means to live by faith, walk by faith. But I think before we can effectively do that, we've got to understand what it means or what it looks like to walk by sight. Because walking by sight is how we, let's say it in faith, how we used to live. We don't live that way no more. Come on now. We don't, we don't live that way anymore. We don't, we don't walk that way anymore. And you say, well, you know, Pastor, uh, if I'm going to be honest, we uh, still do sort of. Okay, well, again, back to the 
you're seeing things differently now. And the seeing things differently now is you're, being, you're beginning to see things through the lens, if you will, of faith. You're beginning to see things in light of the bigger picture of where you came from and who you belong to and where you're going and what he has prepared for you. And so that leaves this bracket of time that compared to your eternity, I mean, if there was a timeline as long as this building, the bracket of time would be thinner than this sheet of paper slipped into that timeline. You understand what I'm saying? This is such a brief moment that the Bible identifies this life that we live in the flesh as a vapor. A vapor. But as narrow a sliver of your overall existence as this time will be, it, it carries tremendous weight, not just for you, but for other people as well, when we look at it in light of eternity. So because Paul knew where he was going, and because he knew where he came from, it put him in a confident position to live this life in the flesh as brief as it may be, even if you live to be 120, as brief as it may be by faith. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for this word tonight. Father, I know that there are people of all different ages in this room, and sometimes when you're very young, the last thing in the world you want to think about is... is um, growing old and dying or going in the rapture or, you know, so many different dreams and aspirations we have, Lord. I, I hear from older people who have gotten on up in age that it's just a different grace, a different perspective and, and um, all kinds of people in between those two, two points on a timeline, Father. But Lord, what we're talking about tonight, and I just thank you for revealing it to us by the Holy Spirit really has nothing to do with age, really has nothing to do with how old we are, how young we are. It has to do with who we are. It has to do with how you created us to live. It has to do with the correct way to live during this unique time between our new birth and our crossing over to be with you. And so, Father, this life in the flesh is to be lived by faith. Not by sight, but by faith. Not by the way things seem, not by the way things feel, not by the way things appear, but by faith. Thank you for teaching us, Lord, in the days ahead, revealing to us in the days ahead, ahead Lord, greater and greater understanding on these things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much being here tonight. Shake somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love somebody in Jesus. It's right here in a big yellow sticker. I just keep forgetting to announce it. But man, we have a breakfast, not this Saturday, but next. Just want to make you aware of that.